Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Two of the most startling words that you could ever hear. Uh, imagine you are, you are asleep in your bed. That is a happy place for many of us. Don't, don't go there too far right now because you've got to stay awake with me. But just imagine you're there and you're cozy, you're enjoying, you know, nice, deep rest. And then the words come, wake up. <laughs> two words, wake up. Actually, that's never quite how my dad did it. Uh, confession, I'm not a morning person. Are there any morning people here? You want to raise your hand and just admit you're, look around, they're here this morning, they're at the 9 o'clock service. Of course you would be, because you wouldn't dare wait till 10.30. That's wasting the morning, right? I'm not a morning person, uh, even with four kids and 16 years of experience of having to wake up before I would want to. I am not uh, a morning person What's wrong with you anyway, you morning people? I don't get you. I don't understand you. But perhaps the reason I'm not a morning person is because my dad was. My dad was a morning person. He always has been. Uh, He would always wake up early. And I remember, no, no, I shudder at the thought of his wake-up calls when I was a kid. He would come into the room, and he would just start singing. He would just start singing. It wasn't a somber tune as it should be in the morning when you wake up, right? It, shouldn't just, it was this joyful melody from his heart. Uh, a couple that I wrote down, oh, what a beautiful morning, oh, what a beautiful day. And I'm just like, right, grunting, throw something at him. This was another one that he was saying, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, come in the room, just God, Dad, give me a break. This was his favorite, though. I remember this one. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God. Some of y'all, you're ready to keep going, right? As a, be quiet, morning people. Be quiet. No one asked for your input this morning. Needless to say, I was not rising. I was not shining. And God got very little glory from my uh, lips that morning because uh, I was not excited. I was curious about other kids. You know, school is coming. Um, Some of our students already started back and uh, waking up your kids for school. And my kids have alarm clocks, but sometimes they need a little bit of help. So I was a little bit curious. I did a little bit of research and I found uh, this clip of a family dog who gets to participate in the wake up call. Take a look. I personally would not want a dog to wake me up like this every day, but this is what the kids ask for every single morning. I looked. That's not sped up. They didn't speed the video up. That's really the dog. So some of you, I wish I could rent that dog for about five minutes every morning. Come on in. Come on in. 
Two words, right? They're important words, aren't they? Wake up, because there's urgency. There's importance. You've got to wake up. But they're even more important when they come out of the mouth of Jesus. Today's message from the mouth of Jesus in the book of Revelation really hinges on those two words, wake up. And there are really two more words implied. Wake up or else. Wake up or else. So turn with me today. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. If you've been journeying with us, you're not shocked that that's where we are today because we've been uh, looking at the seven churches in the book of Revelation. These are seven letters written to these churches, but they're from Jesus. Uh, The apostle John wrote them down when he was in exile, but these are straight out of the mouth of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And if you're joining in today, we're focusing on the fifth letter. We're at the church in Sardis, and so that's found in Revelation 3, starting in verse 1. There's a lot of specifics we don't know about this church, but there's one thing we know very clear. According to Jesus, Sardis is not just a compromising church. They're not just a sleeping church. They are a dead church. Dead. Let's read. Let's follow along. Uh, This is the word of the Lord for us today. Revelation 3, starting in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. That's Jesus. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. There it is, from Jesus, the Son of God, wake up. The tone here doesn't sound like a chipper wake-up song from my dad, does it? If you're happy and you know, no, 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 this is Jesus with urgency. You are dead, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. The Greek word there for unfinished is this, this word, uh, plirao. And really that means, in the Greek, again, uh, we're reading this in English, but, but the, the New Testament was translated from Greek, and sometimes words get lost in translation. And so that word means half full. Uh, it, it means begun but abandoned. And that's an important implication here, that some work in the church was begun, but it was abandoned. That's a sober lesson for anyone that believes all it takes is a trip to the altar to to gain our way to heaven, right? That there was some good works that had begun, but it had been abandoned, and now they're unfinished. Let's continue reading the rest of the letter. Uh, Verse 3, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast to it and repent. But if you do not wake up, Jesus, these are his words. If you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief. You'll not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Imagine, imagine hearing these words from Jesus. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Imagine Jesus walking in to our church and taking the stage as he should. He's Jesus, and and those words come out of his mouth. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. 
Last week, we talked about the dangers of, of living an outside-in theology where, where the outside looks good. It has a reputation of looking good, but inside, it's, it's far from that. Clearly, Sardis was practicing some form of, of religion, a religion that looked good on the outside, but, but Jesus stands before them, and he says, you're dead. You're dead. As a pastor, uh, someone who loves Jesus passionately, I want to honor him with my life. These words are jarring. As I've been thinking about the church, our church, but really the church in the year 2023, I was trying to think about what, what would the, the church in Sardis look like today? Would they have a, an impressive pastor and staff? Would they have an amazing facility with cutting-edge technology? Would the church in Sardis have the best programs? Would it be a church that looks busy? There's always people in the parking lot when you drive by. There's always something going on. Would the church in Sardis be known as the friendliest church in town? But yet Jesus says you have a reputation for looking alive, but really you're dead. These things in and of themselves are, are not bad, right? In fact, many of them can be good, but it's not what's on the outside. Jesus is saying there's a huge and terrible distance between what's on the outside and what people, the things people see and what is on the inside, what God sees. At one point, it was alive, but not anymore. These are, these are the words Jesus speaks as I was reading this, I was thinking about uh, what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.5. He talked about having a form of godliness but denying its power. That, that really describes the church in Sardis. They were displaying a, a form, a shadow of godliness. But it wasn't real. It was empty. It was a show. It was, it, the Spirit of God was not present among them in, in them as they ministered. At least what they would call minister. As I was thinking about this church, I was thinking about a uh, funeral service. Specifically, this part that they call the viewing. I know this is different uh, depending on your context, and, but, but as I've seen it often as a pastor, you come and the viewing is a time for friends and family to gather and greet the family. And sometimes at a viewing, what will happen is a line will form and people will come through and you, you get to talk, you get to hug, you get to love on the, the, the hurting family and let them know how much this, this loved one meant to, to you. And sometimes at the viewing... It's called a viewing because you actually view the body. Sometimes there's an open casket, and I know some of us might feel differently about that, but the purpose of that is, is some closure, right? To get to view and remember this person one last time before you celebrate and th their life. And so what do they do in that process? You, you know, it's called embalming, right? You, you take the body and, and you preserve it just temporarily, just for a couple days, they go through this process, and, and what do they do? They, they'll put a little bit of makeup on their face and dress them up in a nice outfit. And look, we do this because we, we, love, we love them. We want to honor them. We want to remember them well. But, but I, I was thinking about that because no matter how good that person, and there's some pretty good people that do that, right? No matter how good they make the body look on the outside, everyone who comes through the line knows the person's still dead. I'm not making light of that today. I'm just acknowledging no matter how much we make the outside look good, everyone that comes through knows the person's dead. We see a shell of them, a shadow, a memory. That's important, right? But we acknowledge that no matter how much we clean up the outside, it doesn't change the reality of what's happened to their body on the inside. And we know that to be true, but I wonder how often the church in 2023 believes that. 
Clean up the outside. Clean up the outside. It will look alive. We get distracted enough with the exterior and fail to really understand the importance of what it means to be alive. I've had the privilege of pastoring this church now for five years and being a part of this staff for 15 years. I've been here, and it's been a joy and a privilege. And you learn some things when you're on staff, and specifically the pastor. You get to hear things in the community, good things about our church, things that people know us for. But every now and then, people will say, well, you're that big church, right? You're that big church by the hospital. Or, or they'll say this, you're that church with a lot of pastors, right? And they're not, they're not saying that to be mean or spiteful. It's just an observation, right? But, but when I hear that, my heart breaks a little bit. Not because I, I'm not grateful for our pastors and staff. I hope people know that we've got great pastors. We've got great leaders. We've got great volunteers at this church. I hope they know that. I'm grateful for the facility that we have and the people that have faithfully given so that we have a great place to do ministry and to serve others. We just came out of Best Week Ever where we were able to use this facility to bless a lot of people. I'm grateful for that. But when people talk about our church, I don't want them to see a building. I don't want them to see a staff. You know what I want them to say about our church? I mean, that church is alive. That church... Man, there's things happening there. And it's not about program. It's about the Spirit of God is so real in the people there that when they meet somebody who calls this church home, man, there's something different about those people. That's what I desire to be said about this church. That church loves Jesus. They, they're real there. They're real. They're alive. I want that to be said about us, but I also want it to be said about me. How about you? That when people see me and know me, the things that I'm known for is that, man, he, that guy's alive. He's a little weird sometimes. He tells terrible jokes. But that guy's alive. That's what I want to be said about me. How about you? How about you? So what's the call? What's the call from Revelation 3? Again, our desire each week is to receive the word of the Lord, to hear these words of Jesus, but to respond. So what's the response for us today? What's the response for his church? Well, lucky for us, Jesus made it really clear. And I began with this, but you know, the, the call is two words, wake up. That's the call. It couldn't be any clearer. It couldn't be any more simple from the words of Jesus. But, but I believe there's actually some context to what that means. And look with me again on verse 3. I have it on the screen behind me. Because just as the call is two words, I think Jesus provides two more words to help us understand what that call really means. So I've highlighted them here in verse 3. The first and last word, remember and repent. What does Jesus say? He said, wake up. But then he says this, remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. So, so I want to propose to you today, for us church, individually, and for us as a body of believers, the call to wake up is really about those two words. Remember and repent. The call for us individually today is remember and repent. The call for us communally, corporately, as the body today is remember and repent. You may say, what, what does that mean? Remember what? Well, remember what you once did. More than what you did, remember who you were at one time. Again, the implication here is that this was a church that was alive. This was a church that had begun the good work, and it was left unfinished. 
So from, from the mouth of Jesus, I hear these words, remember, and I think, remember who you once were. Remember how you once obeyed, how you once were surrendered, how you once trusted. Remember who God is, that he can be trusted. Maybe you've forgotten that. Remember, remember what's at stake in the day in which you're living that for whatever reason, the Lord has entrusted us to be the church for such a time as this. We didn't get to pick that, right? We didn't get to choose. But for whatever reason, we're here, alive and breathing for such a time as this. So the Lord must trust us to be his church. So remember the call. Remember what's at stake. Remember that we spoke last week, his holy love being poured out into our hearts. Remember, remember, remember. I believe that's the first call. Part of waking up is remember. Remember how far you've drifted. Remember where you once were. Remember the passion that you once had. Remember, but then the call is repent. Repent from what? Well, anything that falls short of that. Anything that falls short of God's standard for you and for us. Anything that falls short of his desire for the church. Repent from, from a form of religion that looks alive. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Repent of that stuff. Repent from not trusting him like you once did. From not believing that he is who he says he is. And you repent of that. Turn. That word repent literally means turn the other way. And so we remember... But we don't just stop there. What do we do in response? We repent. We turn the other way. For me, I'm going I'm to share with you personally what this call means for me to remember and repent. Remember and repent. I ask myself, what, what, what is Jesus? What is his word speaking to me as I read these words, as I place these words over my life? And so as I became uh, before the Lord, I really sensed a clear answer. For me, I need to remember today, I need to remember who God is. Now, I know what the Bible says. I could tell you all, all of the facts, quote all of the scripture. I know in my brain who the Lord is. But far too many times in my life, far too many times in my life, that knowledge doesn't impact the core of who I am, the core how I respond to challenges and difficulties in my life. I know in my head who God is, but I don't always act like that in my life. I don't always act like he is who he says he is on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And I sense the Lord say to me, Adrian, if you want to be alive, really alive, you must remember who I am. Because if you don't remember that, you can't really have the life. You might have a reputation of being alive, but you're going to be dead inside because you've forgotten who I am. Remember, this is what I heard the Lord say to me, remember, I'm I'm. I'm the Lord. I'm in control. I'm your provider. I'm, I'm your healer, Adrian. I am. It was true then when I spoke those words, and it's true now in your life. And so as I prayed, I sensed the Lord speak really clearly to me. Remember who I am, Adrian. Remember. Have you forgotten? Remember. And then, and then, what do I have to do in response? I have to be humble enough to repent. I have to be humble enough to say, yeah, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for knowing that, but not always living as if that's true. 
I had to humble myself enough. I had to be willing enough to hear from the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for those times when I'm going through the motions and it, it appears like I'm alive, but really, really that passion, that, that belief, that faith in who you are is waning. For me, that call to wake up is really a call to remember and repent. How about you? <laughs> How about you? Jesus speaks these words, uh, there's one more implication. It's obvious, but I am guilty of sometimes missing the obvious. Uh, you don't have to say amen to that, okay? But, but it's true. And so I, I, at the risk of it being obvious to everyone else in the room, I want to share it with you today because these are really, some would say, this is the hardest letter of the seven. Now, there have been some hard letters that we've read, but some would say, these words from Jesus are the hardest. I mean, he's literally saying you're dead. What could be worse? What could be worse than Jesus looking at you as the church and saying you're dead? Wow. Yet, as I studied and prepared, I found more hope in this letter than any of the others. How is that possible? The hardest thing Jesus said is also the most hopeful? Well, again, I'm one to miss the obvious, but, but as I studied this week, and actually as I prepared, I was most excited to preach this message today. The hardest one. Because I, and again, look one more time with me. In verse 1 and 2, it's on the screen behind me. Jesus speaks these words, and again, everybody else in the room might get this, but, but I missed it, so I want to share it with you today. Jesus says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Ouch, that hurts. But then what are the, what are the very next words that Jesus says? Wake up. There's a message of hope right here. Don't miss it. Yes, there's a message of judgment. Hey, you've got a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Ouch. But Jesus doesn't leave us there, does he? He doesn't leave us just with the sucker punch and drop the mic and good luck. Figure it. No, no, no. The very next words out of his mouth are what? Wake up. Jesus invites his church, the dead church, to wake up. Think about this. I, I thought about this. I was a youth pastor here for many years, and I got to, to do camps and retreats. And I remember, I remember what it, what it felt early. It wasn't even that early, 8, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and walking into a room full of really smelly teenagers, really tired teenage boys, and nobody's moving. I mean, they should have been up a long time ago. And the alarm, somebody set an alarm and threw it out the window, whatever happened. And I'm walking into this room of smelly, exhausted middle school boys, Trying to wake them up, and it's impossible. You're dragging them out of bed. You're throwing, I don't know, rise and shine. Nothing's happening, right? Nothing's happening. I got to tell you, though, eventually they got up. But, but even in my experience of trying to wake up exhausted teenagers, I have never been able to wake up someone that's dead. <laughs> that's not shocking to you, right? I've never. They, they looked like it. They smelled like it. But they, they woke up, right? But I've never in my life been able to wake up someone that's dead. But Jesus says, you're dead, wake up. Think about that for a minute. Again, it's so obvious, but I don't want you to miss the obvious today. The letter to Sardis didn't say, you're dead, period, end of story. It said, you're dead, now wake up. And now consider this. Who's, who's speaking these words? Jesus. Not just the resurrected Jesus. The Jesus who, who overcame death. 
He was, he was crucified and buried in the grave and left for dead. And he rose, overcoming death. So the one who overcame death is standing there in their midst saying, you're dead? Wake up. You're dead. Now get up. Don't, don't stay dead anymore. You, you don't have to, to live that way anymore. Jesus is saying, look, look, look. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm your resurrection and your life. So you're dead? But come on, wake up, because in me there is life. No matter how dead you are or how dead you feel or how dead you are on the inside, Come on, you're dead, but let's go. Wake up. It's like my favorite story in Scripture. My favorite story in Scripture where Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. And we know that Jesus was Lazarus' friend because he weeps. He weeps as he learns of Lazarus' death. Jesus, the Son of God, right? He weeps, and he comes there, and Lazarus has been in the grave long enough that he smells. So it's been a while, right? And he stands there, and he tells Lazarus to get up, right? And Lazarus comes out of the grave, and he's wrapped in all of this stuff. Of course, they prepare a body for burial, right? And so Jesus tells Lazarus to take off the grave clothes. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Well, because he's not dead anymore. So you don't need that stuff. You're not wrapped in that stuff anymore. That stuff is no longer your identity. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you are dead. Wake up. (laughs) You're not dead anymore. Take that stuff off. You don't belong with that stuff anymore. That stuff doesn't belong to you anymore. Wake up. Wake up, Lazarus. Wake up. I got to tell you, there's a lot of hope in these words from Jesus. I don't know how hopeless you feel today, how dead you may feel, how convicting these words might feel to you, but there's a lot of hope in the resurrected Jesus standing before you today saying, wake up. Wake up. On the screen behind me is the challenge for today. The first is this. Perhaps some of us need to hear these words from Jesus today. They're sobering words, humbling words. You are dead. Ouch! Ouch! But we also need to hear the two words of invitation, the two words of hope, right? Wake up. Wake up. So today, I I don't know what that means for you. I don't know the places in your heart and your life that might feel dead today. Your faith, your relationships, the love and passion you once had, the circumstances in your life have choked all that away. You you have a reputation for being alive, but, but you're dead. May that never be so in our church, and may it never be so in our hearts today. And so today, I I don't know where you are, but the invitation for each and every one of us is the same. Wake up. Get up. Let the resurrection and the life, Jesus, breathe new life into your weary dry bones. Maybe he's done it before, and maybe today he desires to do it again. So today, would you join me and have the courage to receive those words from Jesus? You are dead. Now wake up. Church, in in 2023, you're dead. 
Your works are unfinished. Sometimes, sometimes you look good on the outside, but not so much on the inside. Now, come on, let's wake up. Let's not be that anymore. Let's, let's rise and experience the new life available to us in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we prepare to close and as we prepare to respond to the words of the Lord of resurrected Jesus, speaking hard words, but words filled with hope today. I want to invite you around this room. Would you just stand to your feet today? In a minute, we're going to pray and respond, but I want to invite you to just stand right there at your seat. And I don't know what you need today. I don't know all that you're going through. I don't know, as you consider these words from Jesus today, where you might need to remember and, yes, repent. But everyone in the sound of my voice today, hear the word of the Lord. Wake up. Wake up. And so I'm going to pray, but today, if you just want to join me in a prayer of resurrection, in a prayer of saying, Lord, breathe new life into weary bones. Lord, forgive me, and and may it not be so that I have a reputation for being alive, but inside I'm dead. Lord, may it not be so of our church, may it not be so of me. And if that's you today, and you want to join me in a prayer, I just want to invite you as we pray, would you just lift your hands to the Lord, saying, Lord, wake me up. Lord, revive me. Lord, fill me with your life. Fill me with your presence. Breathe new life into me. If that's your prayer today, just join me for a moment. A moment of surrender. A moment of response. Lord, you see us today and you know us. You know where we are. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to hide from you. We don't need to play games with you today. We hear your word, hard words today. But in response, we say, Lord, wake me up. Fill me with you. Come alive in my heart and in my mind. Come alive in my family. Come alive in my home. Come alive in the halls of my school and across my campus. Come alive in my neighborhood, Lord. Wake me up. Fill me with your presence so that I can experience the life that you came to give. I hear your word today, Lord, and I will not turn my ear away, my eyes away from you. I will respond and say, wake me up, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the hope that's found in your word today, your promise that you will fill us with your life as we turn to you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Church, we're going to celebrate life. Can we celebrate today the life that he's come to give us today? Let's worship. Let's worship now. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.